Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Hello and welcome to the MMQB NFL Podcast. I'm Gary Grandling. And I'm Connor Orr. So Connor, listen, and listen very closely. We're gonna start this show with the Vikings Bills game. Uh it was it was wild. It was a bunch of stuff, the likes of which uh, I don't think either of us have have ever seen in a football game, dare I say. But uh, I want to start it off with this quote, because we tend to take the bigger picture look on the show, right? Like, we're not going to... Uh, we're not going to crown the 11-0 Steelers or the 7-0 Cardinals uh, Super Bowl champions. Uh, sometimes just strange things happen in a game. And uh, that's just the way it is. But I want to read this quote from Kirk Cousins. Uh, this is what he said to to my friend, Albert Breer, uh, last week after they won in Washington over the Commanders. Uh, Kirk Cousins' quote was, Last year, we struggled to find those inches. And this year, we've been able to find them. I think we've actually probably not played as well this year as we probably did last year through eight games. But we found the inches at the end, and that's been the difference. And I think that is the 
that's the theme. That's so wonderfully self-aware and incredibly accurate. And that's the theme of the Vikings this year. They are, they have wins. They have so many wins right now. It's just kind of the same as last year. Yes. Um, well, so let me take this uh, blow by blow. I'll go back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. I feel like Albert Brewer's my friend too. He's not just your friend. Okay. I think we're both friends. I just I wanted to sort of get the inside track on on uh, who's better friends with him. So okay. I yeah. um. When was the last time you texted him? Right now. Mm. <laughs> I think I think Albert and I talked. Hold on. I'm gonna do that. We're gonna do this. Um. We spoke. I, I'll tell you right now. We spoke on the phone on Thursday. Ooh, on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> Spoke, heard each other's voices. Uh, ah, uh, Tuesday. Damn it. Yes. Yes. Oh. All right. Maybe you're better friends with Albert than I am. What a bummer. Are you guys talking a lot? Like, are you guys talking about me? Yeah, just about you. Okay. (laughs) Only about you. (laughs) Damn it. No, we're all friends with Albert, but, uh, but yes. That was the whole point is uh, Kirk Cousins said this very incisive thing, which people probably didn't pay a lot of attention to. But uh, Kirk Cousins is very right. And there are a lot of there are a lot of people in that position, a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of young quarterbacks in that position who might be coming out and saying, like, well, you know, we're thinking Super Bowl. This is a Super Bowl team. Like, look, look at we're, you know, we believe and and all this other stuff. It's like, no, you're just. You know, they're getting some bounces right now. They're a pretty good team. They were a pretty good team a year ago. They didn't get bounces. That's the difference this year, which is cool. It is cool. And you wonder what that is. And I think sometimes we give too much credit to anybody. We give too much credit to Kevin O'Connell. We give too much credit to Kirk Cousins. We give too much credit to Patrick Peterson. And then, you know, we're in this business where – and. I'm about to say something very deep that unintentionally so, right? Um, But um, I think our brains, right, are programmed in a narrative sense where we want something to make sense. We want it to be like, oh, okay, Mike Zimmer wasn't doing this and Kevin O'Connell is doing it. And then Mm -hmm. that's why the Vikings are winning. Or like, you know, this guy was bad and now this guy is good. And here's the reason. Like, and, and I've accepted some bargain basement stuff over the years like oh it could be like patrick patrick peterson is giving funny speeches or he's quoting bad boys too or something and everybody Mm -hmm. loves it or you know i i've gone down roads where like as a beat writer right you cover these teams and you're trying to find out like what's different and a lot of times players are slamming their heads into a locker and saying nothing dude like it's just like this is how it happens but um you know, I think it's impossible for our brains to accept that, like, hey, sometimes it just happens that way. And with the Vikings, it, it's happening that way over and over and over again. And today it happened that way in extraordinary fashion, like to the point where, I mean, we're literally talking about fumbled snaps in the end zone with seconds to play. Yes. Yeah, I mean, this was a game where the Bills uh, going into that, I believe it was the 4th and 18 
past Justice Jefferson. I'm, I'm trying to decipher the the win probability chart here from Numberfire. Uh, at that point, the Bills have a 96.66% chance of winning the game. Uh, the Vikings don't have something in their back pocket and just like, boy, when we're uh, when we're uh, 3% chance to win, we're going to be able to fall back on this, and this is how we're going to get our win. Uh, that said, let's put all the party pooping aside and just sort of marvel at, at some of the things that happened down the stretch here, uh, starting with the Justin Jefferson catch, which I would put a different situation, but I would put it up there with the Odell catch uh, in 2014 as far as aesthetic uh, sort of sort of pleasure in watching it and, and just the, boy, the degree of difficulty was uh, he has one hand on the ball and the defensive back has two hands on the ball. And for him to corral it was just, uh, boy, really, really impressive. He, I would say, I, so I would say that they are even in my mind. I think that both of the catches have something that are very individually impressive about them. Like mm-hmm. Odell is smaller. I think it was a slightly tighter window. And and so I think that that's what makes that catch more impressive. Justin Jefferson's was more contested. And the situation was unbelievable in terms of the stakes. Um, but what I, you know, this is really a, um, you know, in the offseason, Gary, you know, uh, you and I and Albert are both of our, our mutual friend, Albert, worked on a <laughs> um, worked on a story about the league's best wide receivers. And we were uh, getting kind of intel from coaches and executives and people around the league about what makes the best receivers great. And talk about another unsatisfying answer. But when I was asking about Justin Jefferson, one receiver coach in the NFL just said, like, I can't understate this or overstate this. Like, he wants the football more than somebody else. And I know that I, I, know that I sound like Terry Bradshaw right now or Mark Schlereth. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to find a way to differentiate myself. But it, he, the coach said it's just a fact. Like, he, there are some players that when the ball is in the air, they're just like, nah. Okay, you know, this doesn't seem like the right time to go do this. And Justin just has this inability to accept the fact that he can't catch a football. And that was one of the those the purest examples of that. And and how about this? Uh, The the Bills had a 92 percent chance of winning that game before the catch. Afterwards, 50. Yeah, that one play alone almost halved their winning percentage it was uh it, it was absolutely incredible and and even aside from that catch and really after that catch uh he just made a series of plays that uh when i look back on it when i sort of reassess my life uh, my worst draft take i think ever and i can't remember if i said this out loud or i wrote it somewhere i don't know if it exists but this is what i thought about justin jefferson coming out of lsu i was like he's gonna be a good like big slot type guy this is going to be like Jordan Matthews plus uh, just a real solid complimentary player for your offense. I mean, he was <laughs> Jordan Matthews plus. Ouch. Yeah, he Man. was uh, uh, he was unguardable late in this game. And uh, we'll get into the bills and then maybe some of their shortcomings in, in the uh, in the secondary. But uh, it was reaching a point where it's kind of like just throw it at him because it's going to be a catch. If it's not a catch, it's going to be a penalty. 
because he's going to draw, you know, and and there were no ticky-tack penalties late in this game. Uh, when he was drawing pass interferences, those were those were legitimate penalties. So uh, every time the ball got anywhere near him, something very good happened for the Vikings. And it it was almost, it almost just kind of became easy. <laughs> it's like, we're just going to keep chucking it at him. And if you look, um, so... I, I wrote and I wrote after the game that I think that Jefferson and Tyree Kill should probably be in the conversation for the first receiver MVP uh, because I think that Kirk Cousins and Tua Tungavailoa it's different than I don't know say Matt Ryan or Aaron Rodgers or any of these other guys that have run versions of these offenses right mm-hmm. and and two different kinds of offenses but still like. Justin Jefferson and, and and Tyreek Hill are elevating these offenses in ways that I, I don't think w- w- was even possible for Julio Jones and any of these other guys because their quarterbacks are also really good. Justin Jefferson's first touchdown, if you watch it, it's like a, it's like a front shoulder, like a touch pass over his front shoulder. It's it's underthrown. And he in this like one half step, like slows his body down. Basically, he's so big that he can back the defender off and then catches it. But you don't notice this until you it, like unless you watch it like five, six, seven times, and you're like, "Oh, like this wouldn't have happened somewhere else with somebody else." This is pretty amazing. And uh, but he does that all the time. It's almost like um, you know, this is like Gary. This is a good analogy that I'm about to pull out of my butt. You know yeah. when um, uh, catchers are really good at framing pitches? Yeah. And they'll make a lot of balls look like strikes. Yep. I think Justin Jefferson is is making a lot of balls look like strikes. Okay. Year. I like that. That was a good one. I'm I'm glad that came out of your butt. <laughs> We're off to a good start here. <laughs> so let's uh let's talk about the Bills a little bit. Uh I will I will go out on an island with this take right now. You can join me if you want. It's a very nice island. Uh I still believe the Bills are uh definitively objectively and and by a somewhat large margin i I don't want to overstate it but uh, they're the best team in football i still think they're the best team in football uh the one thing i worry about coming out of this one is there are a lot of really good wide receivers in this league they're going to see tyreek hill again this year uh you know we, we know what the bengals have in jamar chase uh should that come up in the postseason they are just sort of undermanned in the secondary, and they have performed admirably. But I think you saw it a couple times in this game where their young cornerbacks were just sort of not not capable of keeping the ball out of the hands of uh, of Justin Jefferson or you know Adam Thielen at moments in this game. But uh, I think that's kind of if there's an Achilles heel with this team, and I think we're nitpicking still. That's the Achilles heel. My take on the Bills necessarily hasn't changed because, you know, if you are the benchmark to which every team is compared to in the NFL, then all these games and and really you're out on an island. Uh, not to knock your island pun here, Gary, but um, or Gary Island or the island of Gary, whatever you want to call it. But um, the Bills more so are, 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 I think, still so, f- or at least were, uh, I think, 
so far above and beyond, like considered widely the best team in the NFL that like they were the only team that people were really using as a measuring stick throughout the season. And so I just think that we have a tendency to take more big picture things away from these losses. I think I'm more concerned about a lot of other defenses on teams with better records than Mm -hmm. Buffalo right now, if that makes sense. And so I'm going to take the, the wait and see approach and throw up my hands. I mean, and it's a hard thing, right? Because I was doing that with the Packers all year where I was saying, ah, this team's going to get better. This team's going to be fine. And then last week I hit the panic button and said, holy crap, something's wrong. And then they turn around and they beat the Cowboys. So I refuse to panic. I refuse to criticize the Bills until they lose out and they miss the playoffs at uh, <laughs> at 6-11. and 11. So. The, uh, so the thing that people are going to freak out about is, is the three – Josh Allen turnovers in the fourth quarter and uh, in uh, in overtime here. Uh, I I don't understand people's issue with the first. I mean, it's an interception. No one likes interceptions, but uh, it's a fourth down play. It's a broken play. Uh, there's there was no answer for him on that play on, on the first end zone uh, interception to Patrick Peterson. Uh, if he if he just throws it away. It's a turnover on downs. If he tries to run it, it's a turnover on downs. Uh, Stefan Diggs, I didn't see what happened. I'm curious to see the uh, the all 22 because they didn't show it on the broadcast replay. Uh, Diggs was, you know, rolling out with him on that play and ended up standing five yards out of bounds. I don't know if he got forced out of bounds or what, but uh, there was there were no other options. It was Dawson Knox and it was like four defensive backs. Uh, so there's no answer other than just whip it and hope it gets. <laughs> Hope it gets batted around and uh, your receiver somehow makes a play. Uh, the boy, that was the weirdest play I think I've ever seen after the goal line stand. Uh, and this is we we saw some muff snap type stuff uh, in Miami with the backup center, but that was the first time between him and, and Mitch. And yeah, you can't you can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that at that point in the game. Safety is really bad, but touchdown was a worst case scenario to give up there yeah and it's um it's it you know if you're as beat up i think as josh allen is and and again he's a super tough guy i'm not criticizing the toughness whatsoever i'm just talking from a general like body willingness perspective you're seeing the vikings basically prepared to leap over this leap over the line and spear you like they're like an extra in 300 and you have to you have to accept the fact that you're going to take the you're going to take the ball and, and immediately sort of like make a rugby style move to the ground leading with a part of your body that's already really injured it's cold out mm-hmm. um i think wintry mix gary in orchard park there was um, wintry mix there's some wintry that's mix true. uh and so um you're signing up for that and i would guess that at some point that there's probably just a a, a split second of body hesitation in there that that just complicates the process you know and Mm -hmm. it leads to this little hiccup i unless unless you're doing unless you're turning the ball over three or four times a game unless this is like a sam darnold thing i i really don't see a reason to be freaked out about it turnovers come in bunches they come a lot of times in these tight games like everyone's always like it's the game of the year it's the game of the year and it's it, yes that's true it it might be the game of the year but part of the reason is because there were a lot of ass plays and and then the score runs up and a lot of people are pl- not 
playing their best, but everything just sort of stacks on top of each other. And we end up getting a lot of points and crazy things that happen. Yeah. But, you know, so I, I think, yeah, it, it was a great game, but Josh Allen turned the ball over a lot. Okay. Um, that's going to happen. So um, you take the good with the bad. Everyone forgets. Everyone proclaimed this a great game, and it was a great game. Uh, turnovers are just cool. Turnovers are awesome. They're unexpected and they're exciting. Yes. And, uh, you know, incompletions are terrible. But, yeah, games with lots of turnovers. There was a Thursday night game a couple years ago. It was Brian Hoyer starting for the Kyle Shanahan 49ers. And I can't, it might have been the Rams. Uh, like, it was just a mess. And it was like seven turnovers. And everyone's like, oh, what a game on Thursday night. It's like, no, this is terrible. This is horribly played football. But it's just really cool seeing a bunch of turnovers. And you just don't know what's going to happen next type of thing. Um, turnovers, the, uh, Gary, like bad things in life give give football its flavor right what would life be without bad things what would football be without turnovers if we watched turnoverless mm-hmm. football for an entire season it would be horrible yes it gives everything else meaning uh yes. and like like we said on the show the most boring football played in the last two decades was uh tom brady at his peak where he just completed pass after pass and i was like all right oh what's gonna happen here oh yep seven yard gain cool uh <laughs> Another 13-play touchdown drive. Awesome. Um, the uh, the real tragedy is uh, the most practical rule change that should go in uh, that I've been advocating for uh, solely with nobody's support because nobody cares for years. Uh, you should be able to, uh, and this is not in reaction to what happened here because people will now uh, dismiss me as a... Uh, as a insane person, but uh, you should be able to concede downs, uh, which will prevent uh, one having mm. to go out there and just have boring kneel downs and stuff like that. But also you take away the Shiano uh, style. Let's all dive into the knee ligaments of the center to force a fumble and, and that sort of football. Uh, you should be able to just say like, you know what? We're whatever. Take uh, uh, we're conceding the down. Take 40 seconds off the clock. If the other team wants to save that 40 seconds, they can burn a timeout. And if you are, uh, if you're, you know, if you're like one timeout left on the other team, you can just be like, all right, well, we're conceding us three downs and they're out of timeout, so game is over. And we don't have to go through this whole charade, but really put an onion in the ointment. What went down in Western New York here. You have to say charade like that, too. You have to say charade. Charade. You have to walk you have to walk up to the opposing coach and you have to like you have to like drop a drop a handkerchief in front of him and say I'm done with this charade and then mm-hmm. walk away. That's that's, that's how this game should have ended. <laughs> Would that be better television than just watching a bunch of kneel downs? Absolutely. <laughs> the short yardage stuff in this game was wild though. There was the Josh Allen fumble, there was Kirk Cousins' inability to just like fall forward a centimeter yeah. of an inch um which dicey right and in in unter and it's unable to be turned over via the booth um because it was so kind of complex and and complicated and there's no angle on it right yeah and which you know for talking about fixing the game you need camcorders on everybody's belly buttons you know so you can find (laughs) out what's going on in the uh in the scrum there belly that's it a bunch of a bunch of very small cameras all over every body part (laughs) that's how we fix this (laughs) Uh, real quick, one more, and I don't have any real deep analysis on this. I'm not sure exactly what happened. It was it was a forced throw at the end of overtime. 
I'm not sure if Josh Allen was expecting Gabe Davis to uh, uh, to come across Patrick Peterson's face, or I don't know if Gabe Davis kind of was expecting like, "Ooh, I'm gonna angle this and and get me on the get get me on the back line there." Uh, you know, fire high and only I'll get it type of thing. Whatever happened, it was an interception by Patrick Peterson, and that was the end of the game. Yeah, I think sometimes, too, the other things, uh, we, we overcomplicate um, just, like, the idea of this whole thing, where it's absolute pandemonium on the field, and the chances that Josh Allen and Gabe Davis are thinking of two completely different things is so high in that moment, but mm-hmm. you're right. And in, in hindsight, if you're Allen, like it looks like the play would have been to go a little bit deeper and towards the back end of the end zone. Cause there's a lot of space there. Um, but it's like, it looks like he was kind of cutting towards like cutting across um, near the end zone line there. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's impossible for us to tell. And even when we do get all 22, Gary, what am I going to say? Um, Game Pass is <laughs> NFL Plus is the worst subscription service. Uh, in the, I So just uh, this is the last thing I'm going to say about Game Pass, and then we can mm-hmm. move on. I described what we use to watch film to a coach recently, um, and this person was aghast. Like he felt for us like it was almost like we were we were like, kids without textbooks like he it was it was a it was a very uh, this person felt bad for us so god the person was probably like this whole charade it's gotta stop (laughs) mtv's official challenge podcast is back for another season and guess what so are we just in case you forgot i'm tori deal i'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion and i'm anisa ferrer and i've been gracing your screens for the last two decades I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening cowboys packers all right jimmy Traina of the si media podcast putting us on the jimmy train for the rest of the sunday action here uh look the packers end up pulling this one out in overtime this is what was kind of cool uh especially if you're a packers fan and your team is one you've just been kind of waiting for like a month now for this team to get some kind of break some kind of, one, get a couple bounces, and two, just some sort of breakthrough performance. Uh, you got that from Christian Watson. You got that from a couple of turnovers on on sort of miscommunications among uh, Dak Prescott and intended receivers, and, and you end up beating a really good team. Yeah. I, I thought... Um... When that ball was in the air, the first deep ball to Christian uh, Christian Watson, I thought mm-hmm. this is the season right here, really. And I, I, you know, if they if they come down with this thing, if he scores, I think this team finally gets some juice, and and here we go. Um, and that ended up being the case to the point where when he scored his third touchdown, there were like three guys open on that play, and there were two people on Christian Watson. So. You know, if this is where we're at now, where you're starting to draw some double teams, um, Alan Lazard can kind of go back to doing Alan Lazard stuff. Mm-hmm. Like th- this is, uh, I mean, you're 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 cooking with gasoline here. I think. Yep. And uh, Watson almost had another long one. Uh, you know, the the throws are there for uh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you know, Lazard, the long uh, RPO catch and run in overtime. That's 
that's what Alan Lazar does. Uh, just encouraging stuff. It's still going to be a struggle. Uh, they're still, I, I think it's a year away from any sort of like true breakthrough, but you just got some answers in this game. And and like I said, you just got a couple of breaks along the way. Uh, last week in Detroit, that's a game they're probably in most scenarios uh, leading 17-0 uh, instead of having it scoreless midway through the second quarter. You just get a couple of weird turnovers and, and that's the way it goes. But uh, encouraging stuff and stylistically look ton of ton of stuff on the ground uh that's what they're going to be they're not going to be airing it out it's not going to be Aaron uh throwing for 400 yards uh it's going to be sort of a patchwork passing game and with hopefully a foundational run game here yeah Aaron Jones I thought a little bit of a bounce back performance uh and I think the Packers are going to kind of st- whatever's going on with AJ Dillon I think and and that I think is a big part of the story I think that they're just it's a hot it's got to be a hot hand approach at this point it's like whoever's going to come in there and just start smashing people is who's going to get the ball and we really don't care anymore I think they probably like the idea of AJ Dillon a lot more and and what he represented and I think it was a lot easier when you were ahead so much last year but Mm -hmm. it's just different um even though they're both still seeing like criminally light boxes and at least now finally they're they're able to take advantage of those and, and and sort of make it happen I think something like five percent of the time the two of them are seeing like eight man boxes which is nutty man that is i know you don't like advanced stats but that's that's no no i like advanced stats fine i like advanced (laughs) stats that you know are that actually tell a story yes exactly like that's that's a good advanced stat uh yeah that's that's good i like that let me let me make sure that i didn't criminally um butcher that statistic while while i have you here um, okay. 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 Ele- okay. Eleven percent of the time. That's still yeah. That's that's, that's not, still uh, not very much at all. Like Cam Akers had uh, had eight percent. Um, Eno Benjamin and James Connor. So mm. the Rams and the Cardinals guys are the only two people that consistently see. Aaron Jones is seeing fewer eight man boxes than Clyde Edwards Alaire. That's mm. crazy. That is. <laughs> that is pretty wild. Uh, yeah, as, as far as the Cowboys go in this one, uh, I'll just say, look, and no one needs to like start a GoFundMe for Mike McCarthy. Uh, I do think, and it was, I was going back, I I reread, uh, you know, Kalen Kaler's piece on sort of the end of the McCarthy, uh, Rogers era back in, uh, back in Green Bay. And yeah, I, it was the kind of thing where it just sort of, you know, the marriage kind of ran out of gas like it just kind of ended i i don't know if it was necessarily like uh there were a lot of factors that went into it but i don't think it was like a thing where it was like uh necessarily mccarthy's fault uh he tried to tailor an offense to rogers wants and needs uh they cycled through a bunch of receivers they had a bunch of young guys in there who weren't ready and a lot of similarities to what's going on there now but mccarthy just always he just always seems to it just the worst happens to him. And, uh, you know, in this game where he has the better team, his team is winning, they blow the lead, they get to overtime, and, uh, you know, whatever, miss, miss calls happen, but there's a blatant pass interference on Jair Alexander that goes uncalled on third down. They miss an opportunity on fourth down, uh, and just the image of McCarthy spiking the headset becomes uh, kind of the lasting image of Mike McCarthy in Green Bay. Oh, it was a good headset spike, though. It was. 
he really got the full range of motion on it and uh whew, it was it was impressive it probably felt good like i feel like it probably really hit flush and you probably got some you probably broke some stuff on that thing jenny um obviously our beloved former co-host um uh and co-worker now at the new york times we used to talk about um uh, you know just like the best materials to throw when you need to throw something and uh and and what kind of makes a satisfying thing and we had both uh said like wet towels you know like because it, it makes like a thud but it's very low in like it doesn't break anything okay you know i would say now as a dad of two um any of the large fisher price things like the fisher price kids picnic table you can do anything to that and it's going to survive a nuclear war. Um, I have, I've seen it like where it's been like, where it's been sort of like stood up on its side. And I have, I've kicked that thing as hard as humanly possible. And it, and it doesn't hurt my foot. It makes a really loud sound and, and it doesn't break the, uh, it doesn't break the table. And it's just, it's all very satisfying, very fluid. Man. All these folks watching OAN and uh, buying their backyard bunker to survive the bombs. All you need is some Fisher Price stuff. Just pile it up over your head. You'll be fine. It's so true. It's so true. And I think I'm gonna get uh, sneak Fisher Price in here uh, at the uh, uh, at, a, at a latter point in the show, which I'm very excited about. I made a Fisher Price reference in one of my columns today that I'm, I'm very very excited about. Nice, nice. Chargers, 49ers. Sunday night football, and we had uh, kind of, you know, kind of a, a what, like a like a photo negative type of thing going on. One team has like the quarterback and nothing else, and then the other team has like everything else, and maybe not quite the quarterback at this point. Uh, but yeah, this was. Uh, it just felt like this Chargers team didn't have enough uh, humans on the roster to compete in this game, but they kind of hung around because the quarterback's really good gotta have humans uh i think mm -hmm. i think we've we've seen that um nice little nod to the to human race in the age of robots uh <laughs> for sure but it's about time shout out to the humans out there shout out to humans yeah we're we're doing all right um but yeah i you can't block anybody down the stretch um and the defense played well in spurts but ultimately i mean this 49ers team is so good i I honestly don't understand how this wasn't like a 40 to 16 game. I guess, you know, broadly speaking, going forward, uh, the strength of the 49ers is obviously going to be uh, the run game and getting the ball into the hands of their guys really early in the down. Uh, it's going to be a lot of maybe, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I guess you'd expect them to break off a couple more big plays, but um, like in a game like this, what, what, uh, with the kneel down and with the 41 rushing attempts, uh, when you play that style, I guess just by default, you're going to let someone hang around because you're just not going True. to uh, score a ton of points. The clock's going to run. Uh, you're not going to score a ton. But isn't that – this is an interesting question, right? Because it's something that we don't think about. Um, and, you know – on a day where, like, uh, so Elijah Mitchell had a really good day. Gained almost five yards of carry. Christian mm -hmm. McCaffrey, 2.7. Um, 
caught a couple balls. I mean, still, it's more what he does for you behind the line of scrimmage. Obviously, I think that's the most important thing for them. But let's say, like, you play this game out against a lot of the other teams that you're going to face on the way to the Super Bowl. And I do think that this team is going to make a legitimate run on their way to the Super Bowl. Um, But what you're running into, I feel, is the same problem that you've always had, which is that if this breaks down and you can't dictate terms and then you get into a situation where you need to run some semblance of a shootout, you can't do it. Your hands are tied. And like, I don't know if Kyle Shannon's offense, and I would say this is my complaint about a lot of these tangential systems too, that are, you know, some of the guys that are cribbing stuff off them. If they aren't playing their game, they're not able to, they don't have like, they don't have like a two minute drill almost like I know they have a two minute drill, you know what I mean? But they don't have like a go-to offense where they can kind of stretch the field very quickly. Correct. No. And I think that's going to be the issue. And it's funny when you go back to that, uh, you know, that, that first Super Bowl season, uh, Garoppolo had a game in there. It was down in new Orleans. Uh, they were a really tough stretch in the season. Uh, they needed a lot of points in a quick amount of time and they, they got it. And it feels like that was a million years ago at this point. And you just, you can go back to last year's postseason run. You can go back to what he's put on film this year. Uh, it's just not great. It's imprecise. He's still, even tonight, you know, on some of those uh, dig routes to uh, Ayuk, ball's just flying in there high. Uh, they're completions, but it's just so imprecise and it's kind of limiting uh, what you can do as far as like run after catch types of stuff goes. So. I don't know. You're not going to get a new quarterback at this point. Uh, and you're just going to probably hope to get into a couple of coin flip games in January and uh, and escape. You're so weapons rich, though. And, and that's the thing. Like, you're so insistent on playing this style that it really does sometimes, like, it's just like you have a lot of nice things. You know, you've accumulated a lot of really nice things, and you just don't use them, you know? I don't yeah. know. I have a lot yeah. of dress shirts, Gary, and I just don't wear them. I don't go anywhere. <laughs> My ties are so nice. Yeah, I have and, nice uh, ties. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that's the thing. It, it, and being in the NFC as well, where uh, you're not going to, you know, we're getting way, way ahead of ourselves, but in the postseason, you're not going to see Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or anything like that until... Uh, the Super Bowl, so uh, you don't necessarily have to sort of rely on the sort of stick around type of a uh, type of approach here. All that said, look, maybe you start working in more motion. Maybe it looks a little bit more like Miami, although no one's obviously defending them the way that they are are sort of defending the the Dolphins' weapons, which is lining up uh, twenty eight yards off the line of scrimmage and just sort of praying. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. It's, I don't think there's a great answer here. I think this is just going to be a a good team and you hope the quarterback can (laughs) defy what he's done in the past two seasons and put it together. If you need him to put it together, we're going to get to this a little bit later on Gary, when we talk about motion, um, with the dolphins and a couple other things, but was interesting to see the chargers basically just say like, you guys can do whatever you want. We're not going to 
we're not going to change anything. And there's a lot of plays, especially at the end of the game, a lot of those net, those negative Christian McCaffrey runs where they were trying to dictate terms with motion and mm-hmm. the chargers are just like, no, we're not going to, we're not going to move at all. And so, um, this is what you got. And I thought it was interesting. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about that later on the show. Seahawks Buccaneers. All right, let's do it. Our Simpsons clip of the day. What about that tattoo on your chest? Doesn't it say die, Bart, die? No, that's German for the Bart, the. No one who speaks German could be an evil man. We're all granted. (laughs) There you go. So sideshow, but we're we're in Munich. So it was kind of a uh, kind of an obvious one here. Uh, By the way, did you see DeAndre Hopkins Halloween costume? Was Sideshow no. Bob with uh, D Bart D? No. Yeah. Really good. Really wow. good. That's awesome. Anyways, we'll get to DeAndre Hopkins and his unwatchable game a little bit later in the show. But uh, yeah, Munich, finally Germany, uh, really uh, overdue, gets to host a game here. If we're doing overseas games, Germany should have had one uh, long ago. Uh, we get Bucks Seahawks, and we get the long-awaited uh, reclamation of the Bucks running game. Rashad White, baby. You got it. Mutual friend of the show. Yes. Both of us. Oh, yeah. I've never um, talked to him in my life. <laughs> I, I love Rashad White. Did a He's story really on him good. pre-draft. Mm-hmm. Great kid. Um, got the start today, which I thought was interesting. I, I don't know how much needling of Leonard Fournette that is because when you saw Fournette come in for his first carry of the second series, he looked like a freight train without breaks that was just about to like bypass the way station and mm. almost like he was going so fast and was so front heavy that I think I remember him like kind of like stumbling as he got up. Like, you know, some of those times when you're just so out of control and then you're so hyped up. Mm-hmm. And so I think whatever they needed out of Fournette, they certainly got, um, yeah, he lowered the shoulder on that. I'm actually just, I have the clip in front of me now, lowered the shoulder and everything like that too. But, um, yeah, I, I I think this is what needed to happen. And then you look at how the rest of the offense now works, and all of a sudden you have all these cool elements, including the, the worst goddamn trick play I've ever seen in my entire life, uh, which was the only bad thing about being a member of the Buccaneers State. I'm sorry. I know it's a poo-poo thing, um, like the Julio Jones uh, on the underneath route on the touchdown. Um, mm-hmm. They did some cool stuff where they're, they're really establishing him um, a couple of weeks ago, they were just dumping off to Julio constantly. And one of those losses, it, w- it was like one of the last two games that they lost where they were just snapping the ball and throwing it to him. Um, they use that as a setup to kind of mess, uh, do some kind of high low stuff with some of the Seattle defenders in zone led to some big gains um, to Mike Evans today, which, I, you know. It's it's cool that all this stuff is happening now. They're taking some of the stuff that they were doing. They're now utilizing it as a weapon towards the latter end of the season. But Gary, that was the worst. Uh, it was the worst trick play that I've ever seen in my life, and I don't think it's even remotely close. I love the idea uh, because it really is something that uh, someone who's half watching the game, uh, possibly after like seven beers in the crowd would be like, they're not even covering Brady on this wildcat. Just throw it to him. <laughs> and 
that's fine <laughs> as, as like an option, but uh, they did cover him on that play. So basically, you had you had Leonard Fournette not only thrown to Tom Brady, who is who is covered, but the throw they asked him to make was like that's that's what you draw up at the pro day. That's yeah. like. That's like opposite. It was nuts. The degree of difficulty. And I don't know. Surely they didn't tell Leonard Fournette, like, you have to throw it no matter what. It was his poor decision, too. But, uh, man, what a what a mess. You were asking your running back. So just in case maybe some of you hadn't seen that play, maybe some of you are German and opted not to watch this game, or some of you just didn't feel like waking up at 930. Maybe you were a Seahawks fan, right? And you didn't feel like waking up at 930. Or no, you you guys wanted to wake up at 630. Oh, goodness gracious. Bad body Um, clock, yep. Oh, my God. Um, But, (laughs) like, Leonard Fournette, Tom Brady is basically on the sideline and Leonard Fournette is rolling out to the opposite, the hash opposite the sideline. Um, I wouldn't ask Zach Wilson to make that throw. Yeah. Um, And Tom Brady is 46 and he's being covered by Tariq Woolen, who might end up being the defensive rookie of the year. Uh, The whole thing was spectacular there. uh, I, it was just so rich and, God, why would you ever throw the ball to a 46-year-old man? Why? <laughs> it's, it's uh, I don't know, it's a little comic relief in, in a day that... It was. Look, this went really well for the Bucs. This was, I thought, the the best they've looked since the, uh, since the opening game. I think it's the best the offense looked all season. Uh, and on top of that, you win a game against, you know, Seahawks, I, I still don't necessarily think they are uh, playoff bound, even though they have overachieved this year. We'll, we'll see, but... Uh, this is a game where you just, you know, just mixed in this really stupid mistake and you just get the win anyway. And that's, that's a nice thing. It is. Um, some of their blitzes hit home. I thought it gave, I thought Devin White looked the best that he's looked in a while. Um, just the the whole thing. It was popping, popping. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Colts Raiders. Okay, so <laughs> we obviously we talked a lot about Jeff Saturday on last week's midweek show. Uh, what we didn't know at the time was that Matt Ryan would be reinserted into the lineup, which uh, he probably shouldn't have been taken out to begin with. Uh, all that said, uh, you know. This obviously wasn't a meltdown. They they went out and won a game. I don't know necessarily what the big picture takeaway is. Uh, nice moment for the Colts. Nice moment for Jeff Saturday. They're four, five, and one. By the way, they're still very much in playoff contention. Uh, and really, just another low for the Raiders this year. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know what ends up happening here, but. We talk all the time about optics. We talk about players being able to sniff out BS. And, you know, we all thought that this was the day that Jeff Saturday got sniffed out, right? And mm-hmm. that everyone was just going to be like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing, and this is embarrassing, and this is crazy. 
but it was Josh McDaniels. And I, I don't care what the excuses are at this point. I don't care what the injuries are. I mean, you're not going to fire the guy. You can't. I mean, I don't know how many former employees between um, the investigation that Jenny did over at the New York Times and all the stuff from the Gruden era, all that. I, I don't know how many former employees you're paying at this point, but and you can't fire McDaniels year one into that contract. But my God, I mean, how do you look that team in the eye and say that I'm going to be able to prepare you for anything and have them believe you. It's just, I think he was such, um, he was such like your whole reputation, right? Is, is on that aura of new England, the Patriots, you're stacking little advantages, you know, things that other people don't know. Mm -hmm. And that's just gone. I mean, you lost to a guy who, was hired off of television on Tuesday and basically probably had to spend the last three days convincing everyone to just get on the plane to come and play this game. Uh, you know, they didn't have an offensive play caller until Wednesday. Most teams' play script sheet is done Wednesday. They yeah. were just starting it. Um, it's it's unforgivable. I'm sorry. Like, I, I don't know if you feel like you have more reason takes than I do, but... I I find this to be entirely unforgivable and pathetic and awful. Uh, I don't I, look. This was a we were picturing midweek. It was going to be Jeff Saturday overseeing uh, Sam Ellinger, and and it was just going to be a mess. Matt Ryan brings a certain level of competence that that you just don't really have with Sam under center, uh, and they get Jonathan Taylor back. And and uh, the weirdest thing I think I've seen all season was Matt Ryan rumbling for forty yards on that one yes. scramble. Uh, all that set aside, one thing I keep on wondering with this Raiders team because I've seen people float like, well, you know, you can get out from under Derek Carr's deal, and you know, maybe get a look at Jarrett Stidham, and uh, and I, I don't know, I don't know what Jarrett Stidham has on. Uh, the national media and its members, but someone's always always throwing out Jarrett Sidham as like a potential long term solution somewhere, and uh, <laughs> maybe he will be. I I don't. What do I know? Uh, I just I I don't think that's ever going to be a thing. Uh, if you say we have to move on from Derek Carr here, I'm not really sure. <laughs> I'm not sure Derek Carr is one of the 78 things you need to change with this organization right now. Uh, so I, I, and I was also wondering what that also does to Devonte Adams and his situation there. If he went there to play with Derek Carr and uh, is going to play with Jared Sidham or rookie quarterback TBA. Um, I don't know what the answers are though. Uh, I, I would continue to insist. It's not that bad a team. I think they are, a weird team. I think they were woefully unprepared uh, defensively at times this year. I don't think it's been a great year for Patrick Graham, who did some no. nice things uh, with the Giants here. There was just there was one play that sort of summed it all up. It was that Michael Pittman uh, catch fumble, and you can't be counting on a catch fumble, obviously. Uh, that's no way to play defense, but uh, Michael Pittman made a catch, uh, gets stripped, nice play. Uh, the thing kind of rolled up to, uh, I, I believe it was Darian Butler, the rookie linebacker. It just sort of rolled up right to his feet, and he just had to sort of drop down and, and grab it. There's no one else near it, and he just didn't. 
and the Colts ended up recovering, and you just could see Patrick Graham in, like, the corner of the screen on the broadcast angle uh, just sort of throw his hands up and be like, <laughs> we are just, we're not going to catch a break. Uh, and that's just the way it went. I don't know what to do about this. Uh, like you said, they're not moving on from Josh McDaniels. Uh, I, you know, I don't know if you just say, all right, well, we'll come back next year. We'll be next year's Vikings. We'll be eight and one at this point. Cause we'll just, we'll start catching these breaks. I don't know. I, maybe. And I thought it was interesting. I mean, um, uh, to Sean Reed, uh, who covers the Raiders for the athletic, um, uh, he had a similar takeaway. Um, I wrote, I, I I buried McDaniels. I thought he had a really smart takeaway, which is that, like, in what you said, basically, Gary, that, like, Derek Carr is going to end up wearing this, you know, because he's the deal that they can get out of. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he basically, that extension is a series of one-year deals. Um, but I I wonder, so I watched the post-game press conference, and he was crying. Which again, I I don't I don't have a problem with. I think anybody that cares about their job that much, um, I cry when Gary says mean stuff about my columns. Um, which so like a couple times a week, which you know is n- normal amount of times to cry a week. When when but, Albert Breer relays what I'm saying about you, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, he was he was saying you know it's just pathetic that this is the result of all the harm that we put our bodies through he kept saying the things that we put in our bodies to sleep at night which was a very interesting thing to keep going back to but uh and i don't know what he meant by that hopefully just melatonin but um and he just kept saying that and he's saying for this to be the result of all that is pathetic and i wish everybody felt as disappointed as i was it sounds like he doesn't mean that josh doesn't care but he's at least inferring that someone doesn't care and that it's making him upset. But the whole thing is weird. Even during the game, the sideline reporter was saying that the sideline, there would just be like these flashes of yelling and screaming and then just complete silence. And that's not what you want. (laughs) This is just, uh, this is, this is a calamity. Jaguars chiefs. So the thing I want to highlight from this game, aside from the fact that Trevor Lawrence uh, was again uh, spectacular in a losing effort and uh, the degree of difficulty on every play he has to make is just so incredibly high and he's making them. Uh, You saw on the other side a little bit of Kadarius Toney mixed in here and it was (laughs) it's got to be terrifying for the rest of the NFL. Yeah. um, I like that he... uh... Did I miss that? How did he kind of did he just hop with one leg into the end zone to be funny, or was he was something going on? Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, no, I think he was being I think he was being funny. It wasn't that funny? Man, I thought it was kind of funny. I mean, so <laughs> it, like let's let's say that Gary Grambling catches a wide open touchdown. Uh, like you you got room to run. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you doing anything? Or are you are you just cross, crossing the goal line and handing the ball to the ref? Uh, I don't know. Um, you really put me on the spot here. What would I, what would I do? I don't think I'd have a good enough idea. Uh, I think I'd just I, I I might just step out of the one because someone else might have a better celebration. Yeah, that's cool. I was gonna do. I I think when in doubt, you always do the Willy Wonka. Right, you limp with the cane. And then you do some sort of a flip. 
a little tumble, a little somersault. And then a little tumble and a little somersault. Yeah. 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 That's what I think. That's good. Okay. All right. I'll be open to it. Um, yeah, other than that, it was... Uh, Patrick Mahomes is is the best player on the planet right now. Uh, the Kadarius Tony stuff, it's interesting because he's not Tyreek Hill. But he, from a ability to separate and an inability to create after the catch is the closest thing they uh, they had to Tyreek Hill. You know, Sky Moore and uh, Mikko Hardman can both run, and I think they're probably straight line faster than Kadarius Tony, but they don't have that... Uh, uh, the, the, uh, the initial quickness, the suddenness, or the just sort of spatial reasoning that Kadarius Tony has. And that's why this is, uh, uh, this is, this is going to be, it's going to be a bummer for the rest of the NFL. And you, you always have had Justin Watson receiver of the MMQB um, <laughs> you do. that, that you can just, that you can plug in there too. Um, yeah. I, I think adding, it's what smart teams do where you present something and then you are able to layer it, and then you're 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 still running your core concepts, but now it looks completely different, right? And then you layer it again, and it looks completely different. And I think Kadarius Tony just flavors this all in in a different way, um, which is why like you treat it like you do if you're the Jaguars, and you almost have to uh, you know get spicy and like onside kick right at the beginning of the game. You mm. know, that was neat. It was neat. I think um, more teams should just do that um, against good teams because you're just like, yeah, I, I need more possessions to beat you. I have to, I have to have the ball more than more than you do. Let me ask you this though: If you're a defensive player on the Jaguars and uh, you are watching your team onside kick to start the game, uh, do you feel a little defeated in some way? <sighs> it's a good question. Um, I don't know that I've ever been good enough at any sport to be able to take anything personally because whenever I got in, it was just we were ahead by so much, you know, um, that it that it wouldn't really matter, specifically with football. But um, <laughs> so I don't know, like I, I don't think I had the ability to ever take anything personally there. But um, I, maybe players are weird, you know, the thing that you care about, it's the thing that you care about most in your life. And so, sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I could see you if you need that chip on your shoulder, then, then maybe you develop that chip on your shoulder. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we just in case you forgot. I'm Tori deal. I'm a six time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening Broncos Texans this uh this game was a defensive slog of all defensive slogs uh the the the, Jimmy train said Broncos Texans by the way uh, it's Giants Texans Broncos Titans oh yeah we'll we'll just we'll correct the Jimmy train in real time and just keep things rolling right here okay um yeah, this game we had three touchdowns in this game. Uh, one was, uh, you know, for Denver, as we've seen a handful of times this year, uh, a receiver schemed wide open. Uh, the rookie on his first career target 
Justin Virgil, excuse me, Jalen Virgil, uh, long catch and run, six six yards wide open, all good. Uh, the Titans put together a two-minute drill to score a touchdown, and the other one was a very well-executed flea flicker. Glad to see the flea flicker working again. We, we've seen some uh, really ugly flea flickers of late, and uh, this one worked out beautifully uh, from Tannehill to Westbrook Akine. And uh, that was it. Other than that, there was like no competent offense in this game. Yeah, uh, kind of what we expected. Uh, Russell Wilson wearing a wristband, just frisky. Um, yeah. Definitely one of the greatest NFL storylines in <laughs> modern history. Uh, mm-hmm. Just, oh, like Pete Carroll calling him out for not wearing a wristband. Russell Wilson saying, I've won a lot of games without a wristband. But then all of us pointing out that he won, he played his best game of the season this year with a wristband, and then he came out today with a wristband, and they lost. And oh, it's just uh, it's great. My old coworker Brendan Prunty, um, he wrote this great story about the history of the wristband, um, the okay. play wristband, and like went and saw the first one, the first, and it's got like uh, it's like written in like pencil, and it slid into like this uh, like nylon stocking. It's very how good. Long, wait, how long ago was that? Oh, it was it was like it was a really long time ago. Uh, yeah, it's been they've been around. Okay, give me a ballpark though. You don't have to be right, but just give me a like really long time ago. Is that like twenty eighteen? That was a really long time ago, or is it like nineteen twelve? All right. Um, <laughs> do, 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 do. I found the story. I'm gonna link it in the show notes, and then I'm gonna tell Brendan because I bet he's gonna uh, he's gonna. Be really fired up with uh, by this, Brendan. He gets uh, more internet. Great... Gets more internet cash on that, Brendan. Pronti. Yeah, a lot, a lot of internet, a lot of. Uh, so, forty six years ago from twenty twelve, because he wrote it right before the Giants Super Bowl. So nineteen sixty five. Sixty six. Sixty six. Yeah. Um, there you go. Pretty good. Yeah, Don McCafferty, the offensive then. Uh, uh, I think it was Baltimore Colts offensive coordinator, and right. his. His wife, Judy, had to write out the plays because she had smaller oh. handwriting. Wow. Pretty cool. That's a good partner right there, yeah. Yeah, sure. What a cool story. Yeah, we're going to link that in the show notes, and I'm going to text Brendan and tell him that we put that in the... Sh- in the uh, he'll, he'll like that. Brendan's a nice. good guy. And I just say, if Russell Wilson had any sense of humor, he would have come out for at least the first... Set, not the entire game, but just the first snap wearing, like just wristbands like up and down his arms and like maybe some wristbands just like taped to his jersey just all wristbands <laughs> i think if he had for once i i he reminds me a lot of roger goodell where if they one time were able to exhibit some self-awareness and transcend some of the dunking that we do on them i would love them in a way that would be like undescribable but like goodell like he welcomes the booing at the draft, but you can tell it still destroys him inside. Yeah, you know what I mean. And like, if Russell was, yeah, I mean, if he just came out with like just covered in wristbands of all various sizes, that'd be amazing. Glasses, glasses that are just two wristbands. <laughs> uh, that would be funny. Um, but yeah, this team's in trouble. So that's that's really what you should take away from the whole thing, right? Hmm. Texans Giants. 
All right, so the Giants just keep on collecting wins here. Uh, I don't know, pretty pretty nondescript game. This is kind of how they wanted to do it. And you wondered, uh, I don't know, I guess I wonder watching it, like, are they going to put the Texans away? And no, they just, they don't really do that. That's not how they win. But uh, they were in control of this one for the most part throughout. And yeah, nice, nice victory. The uh, I forget who had it. Someone reported that during the bye week, um, that the Giants and Saquon Barkley were talking about a possible contract extension. And I wonder if it's one of those situations where they've kind of looked around and they're like, okay, we're, we're going to have to stick with Daniel after this year. I like, I don't yeah. think we're going to have much of a choice. And if we do that, then we're going to have to run it back with, with Saquon too, because if we don't have him, then we don't. So I'll be, I think this is going to be a really tough off season for Joe Shane. Cause I, I want to see how he structures all this. How long yeah. would you make a Saquon Barkley deal? How long would you make a Daniel Jones deal? I have no idea. I mean this, uh, and by the way, Saquon 35, uh, carries today, which <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's always good when you get a lot of carries. Cause that means you, you had the win, but, uh, or, or you had the lead for most of the game. Uh, but boy, what what a nice thing for Saquon Barkley to have games where he carries the ball 35 times. And it's not like, you know, last year where it's like 35 carries for 48 yards. Yeah. Uh, open space and just, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, we've said this on the show before, but there was legitimately a time where I, I felt so warped in the upside down. And there were certainly plenty of NFL folks who were saying this, but that, that we thought that Saquon had a problem. Like uh, they were like, Oh, well, Penn state, if you look, all the runs were kind of like this. And you know, he never mm. really actually learned how to run behind an offensive line. And you convince yourself that that's true. And you're like, yeah, cause like Joe judge would have been able to figure this out. Or Pat Shermer would have been able to figure this out. Or Ben McAdoo. Well, it turns out, no, <laughs> Because, yeah. like, all of their offenses are bad, too. And this one is really good and good for them. They're, it's it's really neat. Um, it shows what you're able to do when you just coach the F out of out of a game. And, and Brian Dable has coached the F out of, like, seven games now already. Yeah. And, by the way, before we go on to the next one, my, my three-second draft take right now on the quarterbacks, uh, Bryce Young, Will Levis, no one else for me. Two, that is it. And then where would Daniel, like an already seasoned Daniel Jones factor into that? Oh, he'd be third. He'd be third on that list. There's not a, if it's not Bryce Young or Will Levis, I, I don't want him on my team, on my but imaginary you, expansion you would, team in Hartford. But you would rather both of them than Daniel Jones? Yeah, but that won't Ooh. be, both those guys should be off the board top five. And uh, no one else should go round one, is my tough, take here. Tough blow for Abraka Daniel here. Browns. Dolphins. So yeah, the Dolphins just sort of keep on cooking here. Uh, first place Dolphins, Gary. Oh, that's right. First place that they have the tiebreaker. That's right. Um, Tua Tungavailoa had his most impressive drive, certainly of this season. I would argue probably going back to like the rookie, you know, the, the old Dolphins Cardinals game that we all cited and. When it happened, we were like, all right, yes, this is the thing. This is what we all tanked for Tua for. Uh, and it just it hasn't really you know, come to fruition. But he had a really impressive drive. Ball placement, excellent. Smaller windows. And uh, as this year goes on, I do think the windows are going to get smaller uh, that he's going to be working with. But right now, um, gosh, every defense facing, <laughs> facing Mike McDaniel. 
the number of times guys are not only moving in the wrong direction uh, at the snap, the defenders are basically moving in a direction that the offense wants, and they're like sprinting in that direction. Just everything's blown wide open right here. It feels like, you know what it feels like watching this offense? It looks like they're playing on a field that has like, I don't know, like 90 yards of width instead of 53. And uh, man, it's going really well. And it was a lot on the ground in this game. And uh, the last thing I'll say about it is I didn't think that much of the Jeff Wilson acquisition. Jeff Wilson is so much better than Chase Edmonds. It's yep. a huge well, gap. I think he's so much more familiar with the style. Yes. You know yes. what I mean? Yeah. Yep. I, I think that's, you know, in fairness to Chase. But do you want to hear my broad take on this? I've actually been um, asking around a lot about um, motion because I've been very curious about it. Um, yeah. Not just the idea of our bodies moving around, but actual, <laughs> actual pre-snap motion. Yeah. What I thought was wild was one coach was telling me recently that most teams respond to motion. Most defenses respond to motion the same way uh, mm-hmm. all, all the time, which is crazy, right? Because you're just allowing yourself to be manipulated. Yes. Um, and he said, you know, there, so what? whatever, we're playing uh, – 17 minus the divisional game. So what you're playing, like what, 13 different defensive coordinators every year? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Is it 13? Yeah. Did I do the math right on that? Uh, no. Damn it. Uh, you are playing 14, right? <laughs> 14 different defensive coordinators. But most of them, a very small percentage of them uh, disguise uh, or change how they respond to motion, which is wild to me. And so my long-term take on this is I think that the teams that are going to end up beating the Shanahan teams, the McVay teams, um, are going to be the ones that disguise how they handle motion in the postseason. I think that's the big okay. That's the big ticket. We've basically seen we've seen two opponents kind of throw the Dolphins out of rhythm a little bit this year. I think one was the Patriots in the second half of that game, and one was the Steelers. And uh, and and that's setting aside, you know, the the Skyler Thompson games and and whatnot. Uh, but are we going to see it again? I I don't know. Is this going to be like you know in the first year of McVeigh? Is this going to be like uh, you know the 2017-2018 Chiefs? I it's trending that way right now. Yeah, um, and you just wonder if I don't know. It's so funny, right? The NFL, and then like one coach will just be like, "Yeah, I mean, I just ended up watching the Patriots tape, and I was like, we should just do that." I mean, that's isn't that kind of what Belichick did when uh, when they beat the Rams in the Super Bowl? They were like, "Yeah, we just looked at like the Rams' worst games and just did that, and yeah. uh, and it worked." Surprise. Lions Bears. Uh, this is more Justin Fields, just madness and magic. One forty-seven on the ground. And it's really cool to see Justin Fields making plays out there. Uh, but obviously, they they need to they need something that just like regulates this offense. Uh, that is not just asking him to uh, create huge chunk plays with his legs every time he uh, touches the ball. And they don't have that right now. That said, they put up another thirty points, uh, but the Lions put up thirty one. So uh, here are the Detroit Lions back to back wins. I think we saw the death of this 
uh, not the death. I think we saw our hopes of this being a long-term thing wounded a little bit um, towards the end of the game when the Bears need a field goal to tie this thing. And mm-hmm. they're lining up receivers and they're going all verts, but they're getting man coverage on all these guys because they're so afraid that Fields is just going to take off and run, which was, by the way, um, I don't want to take too much credit for this, but uh, when I used to play NCAA football 2004, <laughs> yeah. um, that was what I did. I would put the, because I took over the, um, oh, they were the Leathernecks. Was that Western Illinois or, yeah, Western Illinois, right? Okay. Um, and we didn't, you know, there was just like some slow kid at quarterback. And so I took the cornerback or maybe like the slot receiver and put him at quarterback. <laughs> and then you just run all verticals and the computer yeah. would cover them. And then the, the quarterback would run for like 800 yards a game. And the, But that's kind of what the bears were doing. Um, I wonder if they watched some of my stuff, uh, but <laughs> Um, that's what the bears are doing on that last drive. They're running all verticals or trying to push everybody mm-hmm. out so that Justin Fields had room to run. But by that point, the lions were like, nah, buddy, we've, we've figured this out. And we have Aiden Hutchinson who ended up being pretty useful in that game, especially for someone like fields. So, mm-hmm. um, I like the run stuff is great. It's incredible. It's schemed up really well, but when you get into like a shootout, that's the next evolution for fields. And I think he's good enough to do it, but you know, you got to do it. Yep. Saints Steelers. Uh, The saints quietly are just massively disappointing this year. Uh, I I don't know if anyone really feels that strongly about it, but uh, I think they are. Uh, Though I will say, I do think they caught the Steelers the wrong time. TJ Watt was back. It was just sort of a different uh, it was a different feel for this Steelers defense, even without Minka Fitzpatrick in this game. You had DeMonte Casey back. You just had some, uh, j- just more of a feel of old Steelers-y type stuff in this one. Uh, Saints really put together like one offensive drive, and that was it. Uh, other side of the ball, Kenny Pickett, mm, they got a, they're going to have an interesting decision to make, uh, especially if they can get, again, one of the two elite quarterbacks in this upcoming draft if they are in that range because Kenny Pickett I mean better in the second half but boy real real bad in the first half (laughs) yeah um I'm still surprised I'm surprised they missed as badly as they did on him and I don't know that it's a total miss yet yeah but It it is it's too soon to make the call but the signs are not good I, I expected him to be better by now. Is that fair? Yes. Yeah. Like, you know, just little glimmers of stuff. Because right now what we're doing is like we have a tight end on an out route being covered by a faster defensive, like a being covered by like a slot corner or a safety. Right. And and you're and you're under throwing this ball like there's any way that he's going to be able to come back and make a play on it like this is. And, and again, I'm saying this is elementary stuff like I could survive one snap on the field. But, um, you know, this is stuff that I, I don't think that you're, I don't know, that you want your franchise quarterback to be doing by any stretch. Mm. Cardinals, Rams. Boy, what a horrible game to wrap up this show. Uh, <laughs> n- nice win for the Cardinals. Colt McCoy uh, gets another W as uh, as a starting quarterback here. But, uh I, I'll just say this. 
And I don't want to overstate it because, you know, no one's in a good position when you're playing your backup quarterback. John Walford got the start. Matthew Stafford's still in uh, concussion protocol. Um, Sean McVay has kind of been, you know, like there was when when they beat the Cardinals in the season finale uh, two seasons ago, it was it was like, oh, got some flutie in him in this John Walford type of thing. Uh, small sample size. Maybe it was just an off day. John Walford does not look like an NFL quarterback, and they have sort of invested in him as their backup. Uh, again, invested, it's not a huge investment, but they've decided they don't need to upgrade that spot, even though they have Matthew Stafford, a, a veteran guy who, you know, it does take a lot of hits at this point in his career. What a mess. What a just, hmm. I, I don't know what else there is to say about it. it he's not capable of starting a regular season game and that's what you saw in this game and that's why the the rams are slipping further away from uh even a return to the playoffs yeah you wonder um you wonder why well i guess we know why right but why you can't have better options at backup quarterback um when you're so all in all the time yeah um that wouldn't you understand better than anyone that you know hey like we could probably scrape together a few wins here if we had like joe flacco but uh, and maybe maybe joe flacco is a bad example i'm just really high on joe flacco but <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of who's out there you, you know do like uh, joe flacco but like, like you watch colt mccoy in this game professional uh, football look, player right there if, yes you know, the whole thing is like, oh, well, the guy's been in the system for a while. Uh, we can trust him to run the plays, and that's the way it is. Uh, and look, if you fall behind by two touchdowns for the backup quarterback, pretty much anyone's in trouble at that point. But this was the first half. I mean, he is just spraying throws all over the place. And uh, that's why they were down two touchdowns, because the Cardinals weren't really moving the ball. Uh, but the Rams weren't either. So, uh, again, I, I just... I don't know, man. Uh, it was going to be a long climb back after playing 21 games with a veteran group for uh, for the Rams, and it just it's so underwhelming this year. Yeah, um, it's tough to punt too on a year when, like you said, your team is kind of constructed this way. Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. It's uh, it's difficult. Do you know what I forgot? By the way, I promised another Fisher Price reference, and oh, I forgot yeah. to make it. Yes, do um, it now. Okay, well, it was from the Raiders thing, and so we can just end the show by kind of banging Jeff Saturday, I guess, a little bit. But so I said, there's <laughs> there's three possible scenarios here um, mm -hmm. th for Jeff Saturday. The first of which is that Jim Mersey is right, and he's a genius, and Jeff mm -hmm. Saturday's a genius. That's one possibility. Second possibility is that maybe it's not very hard to coach an NFL game, and you and I should get to try it. Yeah, I like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the third is and then I looked it up because I wanted to get the um, I wanted to get the exact name of what it's called. Um, but the third is that Jeff Saturday's headset was actually just a spray painted Fisher Price chatter telephone <laughs> and it wasn't connected to anything. And John Fox was actually running uh, everything. Uh, but I have I'm, I'm sure you do, too, as a parent. Right. Do you have a Fisher Price chatter telephone in your house somewhere? We don't have a chatter telephone, but I do know what you're talking about. Did you ever at? I mean, did you ever at any point have a chatter telephone? And not as not as a parent. What? I just dropped We're it in the chat. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do know what you're talking about. We we don't have one. 
That's insane. <laughs> Is Gary, that I'm, insane? Gary, I'm getting you a Fisher-Price Chatter telephone. I know your kids are too old for this now, but you just need to have one in the house. For, for in case of an emergency, in case you need, to, in case you have a head coach and you need to pretend that he's talking to something, it's a little yeah. I know with it, the little thing with the eyes, and I think if you pull it, the eyes like move back and forth. Yes, the eyes follow you. That's why I don't have one. Yes, it creeps me out. <laughs> The MMQB NFL podcast is Connor Orr and me, Gary Grambling. We are produced by Shelby Royson. SI's executive producer of podcast is Scott Brody, and our senior podcast producer is Dan Bloom. Mark Maravik is emeritus editor of the MMQB Super Bowl champion. Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed on Apple Podcasts, and once you do, please leave a rating and review because it really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.